Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Well, welcome everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, we are going to continue our discussion with Blake and Pat Schweeters of JL Schweeters Construction near St. Paul, Minnesota. On the last episode, Blake and Pat talked about how their company progressed from a small framing business to a fully integrated framing contractor. Now, in this episode, we are going to explore how their company uses their field labor to continually evolve and improve their products and what they're doing to expand their business with independent framers. Blake and Pat, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Sean, thanks for having us back. We had a great time. We're excited for another one. Good to be back, Sean. Excellent. All right. So in the first episode, you guys shared your motivations for adding each of the product lines that you have over the years, starting with stairs and then adding wall panels, then floor panels, and finally roof trusses. What we didn't really touch upon is how this has all been the result of your company's commitment to research and development. Um, can we start by having you guys share JL Schweeter's approach to product improvement? Yeah, you know, one thing, um, by, by having both labor and materials under our control or in-house, it, it makes it easier for us to justify and to evaluate different items and, and what makes sense. And we've got this open line of communication um, that we value our field so much and take their input that, um, you know, it, we really allow, you know, the field to challenge the designers and the, and the manufacturing people and vice versa. Um, and that just allows us to, to a better process. You know, it's interesting. So, I mean, what you're saying is that you're, you have fostered a culture where your field labor might get something and they're like, yeah, this, this just doesn't come together well. This, this doesn't work or this creates a headache or uh, on the flip side, maybe it's not a problem. They're not complaining about something you did. They're, they see an opportunity, right? They see like, hey, you know, if you guys could do X, that could save us 15, 20 minutes a day. Right. That's exactly how we start with this. Um, you know, one of the theories here is, is that we green light a lot of ideas that will cost extra labor hours in manufacturing or material or logistics or whatever, as long as we're seeing that that framing cycle improvement on day one. And kind of the theory there is, is that manufacturing will figure out how to make it make sense. Um, as long as we are seeing those improvements basically immediately in the field. Let's just start with the uh, floor panels, for example, like when you guys decided to add those. I'm sure you got some feedback uh, from the labor, the field labor. When you add these product lines, does that idea originate with the field labor? Do they say, hey, it would be nice if you could do X? Or is it something that your manufacturing side says or your management side says, hey, let's try this. And then then you get your field labor's perspective after you try it out. Yeah, I'd say, I don't know, maybe less than 10% of the ideas are coming from like a management personnel. You know, I'd say 90% of the ideas start in the field. And that's because they're seeing the product every day, right? So they're going to have the best perspective on, you know, what is a good thing to build under a roof. Um, they're going to have a good idea of what needs to be field fitted, what's going to ship well. Um, and that's where the process starts 90 plus percent of the time. 
that's the best place to start it because what are we to tell them what we find value in? They're the ones in the trenches every day seeing it firsthand. Yeah, I mean, said another way, they're, they're the ones who know how that building comes together, right? And so they're going to know what works and what doesn't when they see it or try it. Obviously, you've had many years to work this out, but do you have like an established feedback loop or is it just sort of random comments? I mean, do you have regularly scheduled meetings or how does that work? Yeah, you know, we do regular scheduled meetings, but what I would say um, first and foremost is, is we we encourage and foster communication that that it doesn't have to go, you know, to this person from A to B to C. Um, you know, we open the communication. Anybody within the company can can pick up the phone and ask a question to anybody. And and I guess what we really drive is is like our designers are talking to our carpenters constantly. Um, the project managers that are out on the site, you know, the carpenters are talking to them and they might be looking at something and, and kind of collaborating. And then they're like, hey, I'll bring this up and, you know, we'll talk about this. And um, or the carpenter gets a product, he sets it in place and then thinks, God, you know what, if I if I, if I could have this done a little bit differently, um, you know, it'd make it more efficient. So he has the opportunity to call the, the designer or the project manager and say, listen, can we change this on the next run, um, you know, to help encourage that? And, and it's just that open flow of communication. Um, that everybody has the ability to to give their input. And, you know, quite frankly, everybody's input's value. That's interesting. I mean, I wonder how prevalent it is in the overall industry that a trust designer is talking to a framer in the field on a regular basis. I, I would imagine that that is a very small occurrence in our in our industry as a whole. But what you bring up is is interesting because you have the guy who I'm assuming is, you know, sitting at his desk, he's got he's got the plans laid out in front of him and he's he's looking at a trust design layout. And he realizes that, you know, for some, you know, whether it's a bearing location issue or a, a very large point load or, or something, you know, if he's really stewing on that, he has the ability to call a framer and say, like, listen, I'm I'm thinking about doing X. Like, is that gonna work for you guys? I mean are those the kind of conversations they can sometimes have? Absolutely. They happen every day, um, especially with mm-hmm. like uh, you look at our commercial buildings where we're doing a one off building. Right. You know, we're bringing that framer in significantly before we even built the manufactured product to really talk about, you know, this is how this building is going to lay out. Here's what the corridor condition is going to look like. You know, we feel like we can eliminate hangers if we could do this. Do you think that's a good idea? You know, absolutely. They typically don't want hangers, right? Um, But we're looking at all of those really key places in the building where a small detail change is going to result in a significantly less field install difficulty or quality or something like that. And, you know, another big part of it is site sequencing and site conditions. You know, we're bringing that framer in and saying, you know, on this commercial building, here's your uh, here's your parking lot. This is where you're going to be staging your floor panels. You know, how many loads of floor panels can you get at once? Your roof trusses, are you setting them from north to south or south to north? I mean, we agonize over every single one of these details so that when that framer gets on site, he knows exactly what to expect. He knows when it's going to show up. And essentially, it's just a, a seamless production cycle. Hey, Sean, and I'll, I'll add to that as well as, you know, by having everything in-house and having the direct communication, if, if they're two separate companies, right, and the carpenter has a suggestion, um, sometimes there's little motivation for, for an outside company or an outside designer to make a change because maybe it doesn't benefit them. Um, when it's all, you know, under the same company, there is inherent motivation because, you know, if, if a carpenter suggests something and he doesn't see it on the next one, well, guess what? He's got the, the, these two guys are going to continue to work for each other. So they're going to hear about it. 
Um, so there's direct motivation, you know, to make a change. You know, if, if somebody suggests something and it makes uh, it makes sense, well, let's let's make the change. Let's make the impact right away. Well, you raise an interesting point, Pat, because for the independent component manufacturer, they may be a different entity than the framing contractor, but by and large, they're going to have to continue working together on that job and future jobs. So you'd hope there would be some intrinsic motivation for those guys to try to get it right and that they, they create a win-win scenario, right? Yeah, absolutely. You, you're you're spot on with that as a, as a you know, we provide components to other carpenters more and more, you know, we've always used the term like, you know, hey, if we don't have communication with them, um, and something's not going right on their site, they are probably talking to our customer, just like their customer and telling them how it's not going right. Um, in a sense, it, it, it's, it's not a positive outcome for them. Well, if we keep that communication going and helping them through the pain points and making it easier, guess what? We're all three, the, the customer, um, the trade contractor, and us as a component manufacturer are benefiting in the end. And collaboratively, if we can continue to build a better product and you know, you're reducing cycle time, um, you're providing a higher quality product, you're, you're you know, less constraints on the labor, everybody wins at the end of the day. All right, well, let's get into that a little bit. I, I think it's interesting that here you are a framing contractor who becomes a fully integrated contractor. So you're, you're providing all the components. And as we were talking about your last SPCA magazine article, you guys brought up that you're increasing the side of your business that's serving independent framing contractors. So you are producing components not only for your own field labor, but you're producing components for other field labor. And I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about what's your motivation for doing that? And, and how does that change how you do things? Because again, the, the field labor isn't in-house. Yeah, so a couple of things had to come together to make that work. Um, number one, we had to have the manufacturing capacity, and now we, we do have more manufacturing capacity than what our field labor can put away. Um, you know, step two to that formula was, you know, it is driven by market necessity. You know, we're seeing unprecedented home sales, you know, really puts builders in a place where every day of cycle time is improving. Now that you're working with framers that are not within your company, how do you change things or do you operate the same? So we find that the approach is a little bit different. And, you know, the way I'd explain it is, is that all wall panels aren't created equal. And we talked about this in the previous podcast, but, you know, our system is a result of years and years of iterative improvement. And some of those improvements rely on collaboration and coordination with the framers. So you throw an outside framer into that mix and they're likely to be more confused than helped by some of the things that we do for our own framers. Mm. So how do you, are you addressing that? So that's where we put a person in charge. Um, we started a new role where their entire job is managing our component business. And we're just putting more resources towards that, where we're trying to handle the communication portion the same way that we handle our inside business, which is engaging the framers um, frequently on every job that we are doing. We don't just send product and never talk to the guys. You know, even if we don't hear complaints, you know, we're going out there and asking preemptively, how is this product going together? Do you understand, you know, the way that we sequence these bundles is, you know, the, the offloading process? How is that going? We get into all those nitty gritty details because like Pat mentioned, at the end of the day, if our product doesn't go together well, they're talking to our customer and saying, hey, you know, JL Sweeters really doesn't get it. I would prefer to go back to uh, stick building. 
Well, I suppose you guys have the the added benefit of you you kind of know the right questions to ask the framers, right? Because it's the, it's the same questions that your your framers will ask of you. Um, so I'm curious for the independent component manufacturer who's listening to this, uh, what lessons do you think that they can take away from what you guys do? I mean, what what should they think about doing with their independent framers? And hopefully uh, that's a little fresh in your mind just because you're going through this process right now. Yeah, you know, I, I would kind of back up a little bit. You know, when we put a, um, a new person in this role, kind of a project manager, we were, we were very selective on what we wanted to do. Um, Jeremy is the person that's in this position, and, you know, he's got extensive background. He, he was a designer, uh, one of our higher designers for many years. He also managed the shop at one time, so he understands, and he was a carpenter as well. So he understands the entire process. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, going out to the sites and being there to help the, the independent contractors, making it a success for them is kind of our goal. So by him, you know, showing them the, the little things that we have learned over the years and, you know, had Blake had mentioned, we're not going to throw everything at them right away to confuse them. It's like, hey, let's start with the basis. Let's, let's get this job. Let's, let's get this first one, all of the wall panels set in order that they're not having to set them off to the side because they grabbed the wrong bundle or anything like that. Let's start with the simple things and then just um, continue to build upon that. So start small, have some initial conversations, try one thing, and then build upon that success. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I guess, you know, if you can, if you start with one thing and make it successful, right, it's going to make the next thing a lot easier. If you start with 10 different things and, and three of them are successful and seven of them fail, the, the product itself is, is just destined to have some hardship. So start with the small things, um, make them home runs and just build upon that momentum. And, and you, you really get the support from the independent contractors as well. Excellent. Well, Pat and Blake, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Sean. It was great. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Thanks for having us. We'd love to do it again sometime. Well, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SBCA's Component Connection podcast and whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.